chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, and here, and, you know, this whole chat, what's, what's interesting about this chapter is we're, we're talking about this, this huge theme uh, that comes about, and that's this issue of, of faith and works. Now, again, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Uh, we would love to give you pens, uh, and you can write on the back of your program. We're talking about faith and works, and the question you've got to ask yourself, even as, you're, as we're reading, is, is basically, how does one... How does one reconcile themselves to God? I mean, that's really the big question. Right? How does one uh, reconcile uh, to the king of kings, the, the, created, the creator of both created and uncreated things? Now, we as people, especially in, in, our, in our country, here's what we're taught intuitively. See, a lot of times people don't struggle with knowing that there's a need. In fact, I remember when I was, uh, when I was in Turkey... Uh, we, were, we, were, we were passing out what they call Hedie, uh, basically the Bibles, and um, and this was back this was back in the day when it was just opening in the sense of that you can talk about the gospel and not be questioned as a and go to jail and all this weird stuff. And so it was funny because although the government had opened the country, it hadn't filtered down to the police yet. And and uh, I remember one time I was kind of scared. The police was kind of chasing us because we had these these Bibles, and I'm thinking, hey brother, the country's open now. And my boy was like, they, I don't think they know yet. And so we kept running to the, yeah. So, um, so I'm glad I'm here, praise the Lord. But uh, so, so basically we would, we would sit down, and, and, and at this time it was, you know, high 90s, uh, Islam faith. And, and we would sit down with these guys, and they, would, they totally understood their need. Totally understood that they're sinners. Uh, totally understood that there's something wrong with us. Um, but what was interesting is when we talked about, so now how, how do you fix that problem, there was no answer. And it goes, see, like, it goes like this. In a nutshell, I mean, we, can get to, we can't get into the tenants right now, but in a nutshell, so they have this sovereign big God uh, who basically just decides, based on your, what you do, hopefully you're, you're doing enough stuff, and hopefully he's had a good day, and when you die, if all that comes together, you know, hopefully you'll be with him. And I remember sitting down with some Turkish brothers, and I said, well, let me ask you a question, though. Who pays for sin? And I said, who pays for sin? And they would go, no one. So who, who pays for sin? If you, you agree that there's this holy and just God, you agree uh, that he's perfect and that he, that he wants to make sure that you know, everything around him is perfect, you agree that there needs to be a payment for sin, but there's no payment. And it would kind of stump these guys. And although they didn't come to Christ, it was very interesting to watch how, how just these guys who, who had all these rumors about our Bible and all this stuff, but when we got to the point of who pays for sin, there was not an answer. Now here, uh, it's interesting because what we do, we recognize the need, but then we have the audacity with a lot of our religions and what works usually does, uh, is that we recognize the need, but then we think we're the ones who can fix the need. And that's, the, that's what works is really all about. Works is that, is at some point in your journey, you're thinking that, okay, yeah, I'm messed up, but dot, 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 if I do this, if I do that, I can, I can fix the need. Well, 
Let's see what uh, the scriptures say here. As you know, Paul, he's, uh, he's been going crazy, extremely intense the whole time about trying to keep sound doctrine. Um, I mean, we've seen him rebuke Peter. We've seen him be humble uh, toward the leadership. Uh, we've seen him talk about the reality of the gospel, which we looked at uh, last week. Uh, this reality that it's no longer that I that live, but Christ that lives in me. In the life I live, I live by faith. Right. In the son of God who died for me and gave himself for me. This issue of faith. And then he comes here and look what he says here. Uh, You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? He right. He starts off and notice this. He starts off with this issue. He's so frustrated with these guys because there's something missing where they just are. they're, They're not getting. Uh, the reality of the gospel. Now, why is that even more important in the, in the mindset of, of, of Paul, you think, in the flesh? It's because he's the one with Barnabas that brought the gospel to them. Always keep that in your mind, okay? So you, you imagine, you, you, you sit at Starbucks, you lead a brother or sister to Christ, they start walking with the Lord, they're enjoying the gospel, and all of a sudden, you, and maybe some of us have this, you, you see the brother a year later, or four months later, and he's like kind of talking crazy. And you're like, where'd you get that from? You're, you're, you, I don't know, maybe you've experienced that or not, but can you imagine you're sitting there, the guy that you poured into all of a sudden is starting to not believe the gospel? He's starting to talk and to do things that are kind of weird. And he says, you, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Notice what he does here. He gives six, he gives sort of six questions that he has for these guys. Okay, um, now they're they're in the scriptures, so I don't I don't know if they're going to be. Uh, you can sort of just maybe circle in your Bible to different questions. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He says, "Wait a minute. When we first met, I shared a simple gospel with you, and you believed it. I told you. Nobody says portrayed as crucified." He says, I, I, I told you about this crucified Savior, this man Jesus, who's also God. And what he did was he substituted uh, the payment that was supposed to be for you and placed it on himself. And he says, now, if you give me your life, you can receive my life and you can have life. You can finally be truly human. And then with great joy, you said, sweet. I've, been, I've, been, I've had these shackles on all my life. Now I finally get to be free. And you're enjoying the gospel. But something happened. Who bewitched you? Who duped you? Who got you thinking crazy stuff? What happened? Is it possible? Is it possible to start with good stuff? You start with the gospel. You get the gospel. You understand grace. And all of a sudden... You start listening and believing stupid stuff? Is it possible? Is it possible? You know, the one thing I, you know, I tell the guys, I, I, I get kind of frustrated because people will come here and we all messed up and you'll find some messed up theology somewhere. I keep talking long enough because we're all human, right? But the funny thing is I feel like at the, at the core, because we have so many checks and balances, I got all y'all crazy folks who love Jesus. So y'all, and we got a culture here where if I say something crazy, you know, Dante will walk up and be like, bro, look, love you to death. But man, verse 3, you, sh- you serious about that? You know, we got that culture. That's a good thing. We don't want to lose that because I'm not Jesus. So make sure we check each other. 
But what, what makes me, what gets me frustrated is when I know we're teaching the gospel here. We're teaching the truth here by God's grace. And people come from crazy places and they think they're hearing the same thing. I get really frustrated with that. I'm like, now, we ain't Jesus, but I know we ain't teaching that right there. My point in that is, you know what, some of us, we can have good teaching, but then all of a sudden go somewhere and start conjuring up stuff. Maybe you start listening to Creflo Dollar or something crazy, Uh uh-huh, some of y'all in trouble. No, but maybe you start getting caught up and start thinking, you start focusing more, and you start leaving Jesus, and now your whole focus is gifts. Who duped you? When did the gospel become not enough? When did Jesus, being your king, become just kind of boring? Who duped you? He's like, really? I love that he doesn't like, try to baby him or add to the gospel. He's like, I'm not going to add anything. It's kind of simple, but it's true. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit? Question number two. Did you receive the spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? He, what does he do? He argues from, from, uh, from Christian experience, right? He argues from experience. He says, so how did you receive the gospel? You see that? Was it, was it, was it by the spirit? Or by, you know, or by observing the law. And he said, did you receive by, uh, the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Now, I, know, I love this. So he says, look how, look, how, look how unsexy this is. Did you receive the Holy Spirit, which people tell you there's all these other things you've got to do, by observing the law, some kind of work, fill in the blank, think of all the stuff that we can do, or by simply believing what you heard? The Spirit, y'all, the Holy Spirit, how do you receive it? You know, we, we go through this in our training time. I'm telling you, we have guys squirming in their seats because they want to add something to it. And I go, well, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? How do you feel? And they want to, well, you know, if I did 20 jumping jacks and then I, all this stuff. The Bible says you receive the Holy Spirit and you're filled by faith. By faith. That you receive the Holy Spirit and, wait a minute, and you are filled. Not with some extra, by faith. He says, what happened? When was that not enough? Why do we have to add to this? He says, I have one question. Here's the thing. Does obedience bring God's blessings or does God's kindness allow you to be obedient? Do you think really that you're obedient and then that gets you somewhere? And now God goes, whoa, (laughs) he's a serious Christian. New Jag, baby. Do you, you see how worldly that is? It's such a lie, family. He's like, you did absolutely nothing. It's my kindness that makes you even want to be obedient. Your, Your obedience it's worth nothing compared to the Lord. How many times I say it up here all the time? The human heart in the Bible gets absolutely no encouraging remarks. Not one. Not one. Search the Bible. Because our hearts without the Lord are totally decrepit and foul. 
Man wants to sin all the time, and that's why he drowned us all, and then he recreated us all again and said, man, I should kill him again, and every, you know, every three days he want to kill us all. And then he's like, well, but I got to do this whole, I'm God and I'm faithful, and I got to make sure they know I'm faithful, so I guess I'll keep them in, you know. The human heart, guys, it's amazing how much, how much play we give the human heart where the Bible says it's unbelievable. Absolutely nothing. Look what he says here. Continues on. He says, the third question, are you so foolish? I love that one. I love how he says, you know, he starts in the beginning, right? You foolish Galatians. But then I love here, um, it's like, have you, ever, have you been arguing with somebody and they just say something stupid? And you can't even, like, come back with an intelligent response? Have you ever had that? And you just be like, man, you're stupid. <laughs> I, I, can you picture Paul doing that here? He's like, he's going through this, and he's probably thinking about how simple the gospel is and the stuff they're doing now, and he can't even try to, he can't even try to have an apologetic to them because it's so crazy. He's just like, man, y'all are stupid. He just says, are you so foolish? After beginning again, we're in verse 3. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Mm. So how do you begin, family? So you begin by faith. Now, this, now, now, now just, just do the deduction as we were going through the scriptures. He tells us, he says, you, you believe what you heard. So you believe what you heard. Um, I think we could say as an apposition, it's synonymous with beginning by faith. So you believe what you heard, which means you have faith in what you've heard. You believe you put your trust in the person of Christ. It says here, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? So you believe what you heard, which is synonymous with faith, which is synonymous with beginning with the Holy Spirit. Is that, is that, is that fair? So all those are one and the same. Is that when you, when you say, Jesus, when I, when I realized that in my life, I was like, you know, I'm trying to have this moral compass, but Jesus, I need you. I realized my state. And I said, Lord, I'm scared. I don't have all the answers. I got a ton of questions, but I believe you died for me, and I want to give you my life. The Bible says, the Bible says that I began, I believe by faith, so he gave me the grace to say I want to respond by faith. And then the Lord says, I believe what I heard. All this happened at the same time, and I received the Holy Spirit. I did absolutely nothing. I didn't clean myself up. I didn't work, make, make sure I was nicer for two more weeks first. I didn't, you know, stop any kind of weird sexual sins. I didn't do any of that. I just said, Jesus, I need you. I'm totally helpless. I have absolutely nothing to offer you. May I give my life to you? Is that what you did? He says, you began, and then you try to now keep this thing going. Uh, that, isn't, that the, isn't that the litmus test of, 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 of Phariseeism, legalism, right? You, you, you start off here, but all of a sudden you start, you start adding a couple works, and your works are always the best, right? And in and, and our body, we got, you know, because we're doing some cool things here, but it's funny, like, we, we disciple, but, you know, you, you, got, you can't just dis- be discipling, you know, you got to disciple like me. Right? You know, that's how we do things. We'll say, well, no, you see, if you do it like me, 
is good, right? I can't just be loving. I got I to gotta love like you love, right? I got to be truth teller like you. I, we can add. We add these little things to make the gospel have sort of strings to it. He says, you began with being absolutely nothing, and God grabbed you and gave you life, and now you're feeling like you got to keep it together. Who bewitched you? That's stupid. That's what he's saying to us. This is, this is great news. He's like, really? You can add to this? And continues on. Have you suffered so much? Here's another question. Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? See, what's interesting here is, um, you know, I, I think of our body. I, I, the height of all of this, right, when you add works, the height of it is arrogance, that's the height of it. Is that is that what's breathed? Just letting us all know, like if you if this is your struggle, legalism, what we struggle, it, what breathes it all is arrogance. There's some pride where you think you got it together, right? And I just remember, even in my own journey, I, I look at our body, and I tell you something, fam. I, I, I think uh, that you know maybe five years ago, I, I think I could have said the right things about yeah, look what the Lord is doing. But I think I'd have been, I think I'd have been, I think it would have been something like look, man. You know, it's, it's some things I'm doing here. And I think God, God took me, he's, he's, he's allowed me to experience so much failure that I'm so excited to know, like, when I see what God is doing in our body, at my core, it brings me to tears because I go, wow, God is doing this. You can't, you can't draw this up. You can't draw a Christian record coming here. You can't draw the Van Dyke place. You can't. All the different things that are happening in our body, you know, the Anderson family. I mean, I can go around, and I'm, I, I don't, it's just, it blows me away to think. I think I think our body. I just I think you guys are unbelievable. And and what the Lord is saying is, I'm good, Eric. It's not you. I'm good. You've done absolutely nothing. I'm just good. I want to be honored. Look at he, he says. He says, "Have you suffered so much for nothing?" Uh, I think of I think of I think of our body. You guys fighting hard. You know, I think of Nick. Go ahead, buddy. We're going to get into that. Yep, he's, you know, there's two aspects. He's, he's, he's focused here in our circumcision and obedience to the law. And how, how the Jew thought obedience to the law uh, was, was indicative of being a part of the covenant community. That's what would get them inheritance. So not just like, oh, I'm saved by God's grace and I obey the law because of my love for Jesus. But no, this allows me to be, have personhood, to, have, uh, to be a son or, or a daughter of God because of what I'm doing. So those are two biggies, which we'll get in a moment. Good question. So Nick was asking, so what, what works for their deal? 
And, and that's good because I want to make sure I'm not bringing it back here without helping us understand what was happening in the first century. Thank you so much. And then the question becomes, so what are our works, you know? What are our works now? See, I, 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 look, I look at this. Before I go into the, the, the struggle piece of, of what he's talking about here in, in verse 4, uh, I just think of, I think of how we even we can get focused on, on just being cocky. Um, and, and even when people talk about teachers or like what they know, it's just it's like it's like it's like we feel like at some point we just got to be the man or the woman. Like we can't, you know, and I get people coming and I think they have good motives. But we come in and people come in like like they got it together, you know, like, well, I'm here for the word. I'm going to get the word and, and all this stuff. And it's this veneer of like, well, what are you really saying? There seems to be a, 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 a aura of cockiness here. Like almost like like you have you have like you have the say on what's gospel or not. I bring it up because I'm saying that 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 arrogance and cockiness is sort of indicative into this this sense of 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 always adding something to faith. I want to propose to you guys um, as he's saying as he's saying all these things. I think I, I, get, I get convicted because we do a lot here uh, with, with discipleship and all that stuff. And I just want us to understand, like, why we do that stuff. So basically, this stuff does not put you in right standing with the Lord. Um, the heart behind everything that we do basically is to provide um, an environment or a catalyst to catapult you to love Jesus, to love your family, and to love each other. So, so in essence... If you're loving Jesus, if you're if you feel with the Holy Spirit and you're walking with Jesus and you're loving your family, you're loving one another, the other stuff will happen. I guarantee you you'll share your faith. You will be on mission. You will serve. But we, we do we do the reverse. And I just want to make sure in our body that we that we are experiencing grace. That you're not that when we talk about all this stuff, it's not a burden. But we want it to be a joy. But that really only happens when we are having a vibrant relationship with Jesus. We have, we have sisters here. He says, have you suffered for nothing? We have sisters here who we are calling out and they are receiving and they are asking them to break up with men that they've been dating, that they've been in relationships with, in an ungodly relationship for 10, 15 years. Okay? They come to Christ. We're saying, hey, you love Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. Uh, some of you guys are in discipleship relationships where people are asking you to confess things and to do things that will change your life. And you're suffering. Some of you guys are being parents are tripping. Uh, some of you guys are struggling with persecution because you want to seriously walk with the Lord and everyone's going, oh, you just playing around. You'll be back. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, you suffered all that for nothing? It's kind of street, right? He gets practical on them. You go, he's, this is an, that's an enduring to the end verse, family. Verse 4. He's saying you're fighting, you're putting up your dukes, and you're telling the world, no, I'm going to be a man of, of character and integrity, even if my wife trips. Right? And you struggle and you fight to be a man of faith, to be a woman of faith. He's saying, don't give up now. You're going to stop being a man and woman of faith and start trusting all this other stuff? Why? 
Another question. Does God give you his spirit, verse 5, and work miracles among you, you, listen to this, because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? You hear that? You see what he's doing? So let's keep talking about works here, family. So, so yeah, so, so just any, if people, we have like, soup, some of us might have some supernatural gifts, right? So we all have certain kind of spiritual gifts. Some might be made way more external than others. He's saying, even you, if you can be a discerner of spirits, right? If you have the gift of wisdom, if you have the gift of prophecy, not just truth-telling, which is sort of my gift, but foretelling, where the Holy Spirit shows you something supernaturally, God is saying, wait a minute. So you've seen all these things? You've seen miracles in your life? You think it's because you've been reading your Bible a lot? Or because you believe what you heard? See, some of us, we've, we've experienced some things here, family, and I'm telling you, God is asking you to be a mature Christian now. He's saying, don't walk around here thinking you some hot stuff because you've, had, you've been open to the spiritual realm. You've done absolutely nothing. God has been gracious to you. And now he's calling you to be a steward of that. Not to taunt it about, look what I can do, and look who I am, and I see some dead people. And He's like, no. All that happened because, because you believe what you heard. So now God is asking you to be a steward of that, to be prayerful. The guy that told me, you know, as I, I mean, uh, the disciple of me, he said, dude, when I first came to Christ, I mean, I was telling, hey, you talk about to tell the truth now. I was telling Cass the truth. And I was walking up on cats just like, look, man, you're going to hell. God bless you. You know, like just, and my, my disciple, disciple was like, bro, like, you know, in just great love, only Roger Hirsch can do. He's like, I just want to tell you something, Eric. Discernment, bro, is meant for prayer. He was like, you need to, you need to cultivate a prayer life. Because you run around here and you're just destroying people. Did God give you his spirit and work miracles because you observed the law, because of anything we did, or because we believed? Do you see the whole tenet, everything about the the Christian faith is what? Belief. Faith. There's nothing sexy about that. It's me saying, Lord, I believe you rose from me, you died. And I'm going to walk and live my life according to your ways. And if you want to bless me in a supernatural way, hallelujah. If you don't, I'm going to still be faithful. I know I'm going to read your word, understand it, and I'm going to do what I know you've called me to do. And I'm going to be a man and woman of faith. Period. Believing the gospel. And that's what I love about this body family. I love you guys because you bless me and you encourage me. I watch a bunch of people who walk around here and they're having dinners that no one knows about. And you're just, what you're doing? You're simply, you're doing something that's crazy to the world. And crazy to evangelical America for that, for that pet matter. You know what you're doing? You're simply believing the gospel. There's no, there's, look at what's under my sleeve. There's none of this, no rabbits. People are saying, I just want to love my wife. I want to be faithful to my kids. I want to care for the brokenhearted and the poor. I want to be, have a repentant heart and confess sin. And I just want to learn how to walk with the Lord. And that's it. 
and the world keeps screaming, that's not enough. You've got to add this. You've got to do that. You've got to get yours. You and you're going, I just want to, I just want to live the, just believe the gospel. And I'm begging you, would you please keep fighting with us and make, make that just enough. Jesus is pleased. Do you see that? He's pleased. Look what he says here. I, yeah, I meet people. It just it blows me away. Sometimes you meet cats. You're like, man, is there a camera around? Because they say some things. I mean, yeah, I met a guy. He just, just these sensitive people come in. I'm so great. Look at me. I had a guy tell me, I told this girl that she needs to really just stick in there and keep fighting for the gospel. And you know what she told me, Eric? You're so great. I thought, who does that? Even if she said that, that pro- I'll probably leave that part out. You know I mean, I am arrogant, but I don't want to seem arrogant. I know how to play the game, right? I'm like, you ain't even playing the game right, bruh. You just told me. Look how arrogant I am. She said, I'm great. I thought, really, dude? Who does that? Sorry, that was some baggage I had, but it blew me away. So I was like, man, this brother. Okay, so. And it's true. He did say that. It was crazy. Uh, verse 6. Um. Look what he does here. He gives us a little story, and then we're going to go home. He says, consider Abraham. So he's like, are you, are you, are you getting this, Eric? He says, well, let's look at this. Let's consider Abraham. Now, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He says, understand then uh, that those who believe are children of Abraham. Uh, the scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. You see that? This, now, by the way, this is the little whole Jewish-Gentile thing. Let me just point this out to you. Now, remember, it says, The scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance of Abraham. So he is going back to uh, Genesis 15, right? And actually, the same, and also Genesis 12, but more 15. But look, who is he talking to in Genesis 15? He's not talking to Gentiles. He's talking to Jews. So why would he say that he said this to the Gentiles? I propose he's saying that because he's saying a true Jew is not one ethnically, but one spiritually. That ain't even part of his passage, but that's biblical. So he says Gentile. So he, this whole Gentile piece is that the people of God are those who love Jesus. So he goes, he says, all nations will be blessed through you so that those who have faith and are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, are we, are we called, so are we, the question becomes here, are we called to be um, a Jew or be like Abraham? Because the issue here was big deal. Let's get to your point. We have, we have the issue of being a Jew, which revealed itself through circumcision um, and law. He's talking to Jews. He's trying to make a point. Like, like, guys, why are you all focused in on this? And what does he do? He goes to this, this point here. He goes to Abraham. Notice some things. So let's, let's start with uh, circumcision. So was Abraham saved, believe God, through circumcision? Well, did, that, did that declare him right standing with God? Now, how do we know that? Because remember, he receives a promise 14 years before he gets circumcised. Okay, right. So, so his point was, well, I, I believe God. So it wasn't it wasn't my circumcision because I was a children of the promise 14 years ago before I did this. 
Okay? He continues on when you think of, um, of the law. Okay, so sure, Abraham, you know, is it good to keep the law? Sure, Abraham kept the law, right? Right, guys? Well, I propose to you, he didn't. Moses wasn't born yet, y'all. Right? 400, 500 years. Here's Abraham. Guess what? He wasn't even a Jew yet. When did Jew, when did Israel become Israel? He ain't born yet. So look what Paul does. He says, wait a minute now. Let's go back to good old Abe here. Let's look at Abe's journey. Abe's a man of God? Cool. You like Abe? Yeah. That's your father? Yeah. Okay. You try to keep circumcision and law and say, I'm a Jew, so I'm big time. He says, wait a minute. Abraham was neither. The Jew of the Jew, the father, had none of that. And the only thing he had that's universal that we have is faith. That's it. So those who have faith along with Abraham, verse 9, the man of circumcision? Nope. The man of a Jewish culture? Nope. The man of faith. That's verse 9. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. Verse 10. For it is written, curses everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Uh, clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. See, this is why grace matters. Now, don't miss this. You good Christians out here, don't miss this. This is why grace matters. Because the gospel is not about you and me just wanting Jesus. The gospel is about everybody needing Jesus. Needing Christ. That's his point here. See, go to those verses that he talks about uh, the tree in Deuteronomy 27, um, righteous living by faith in Habakkuk. No one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Um, Continue on. In James chapter 2, he makes it really clear. You can go on. Another slide, Eric. In James chapter 2, he makes it really clear uh, that, uh, that, that if you break one little piece of the law, you've done what? You've broken it all. Read the book of James in your own time. Uh, it's epistle toward the end of New Testament. Okay? He says, you, you, touch, you mess up one part, you've just messed it all up. Okay? Now, think about that. Uh, my man Mark, my man Mark had a good analogy in Matt group. He said it's kind of like trying to build a Sears Tower with two pigs. <laughs> Can you imagine? Now, we're not talking like sculpts like it. No, we want you to, we want to look like the Sears Tower, which is impossible, with two pigs. And then what's, what's interesting about that with the law, because what the law does is it continues to scream at you that you're not getting it. You keep messing up. Oh, look how bad you are. Oh, there it is again. That's what the law does. The law continues to show you and I that there's something wrong, not out here, but in here. 
That's what the law does. The law says, man, I messed up. So you're trying to build a serious tower with toothpicks, and now you got people screaming at you the whole time. You can't do it. Look at you. Ah! That's what it would be like. But not even that. That analogy fails in comparison to what God is expecting of people apart from Jesus. Look at this, guys. This is in Luke 15, uh, 1 through 7. This is on 1 through 4. Now the tax collectors and sinners are all gathering around to hear him. I'm going to try and put this another way. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats them, and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. <laughs> eats them. I'm hungry. Suppose. <laughs> Suppose. <laughs> you're hungry too. They're <laughs> like, food, food. Suppose. Verse 4. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Continue on, please. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be one more, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Okay, now, when you read this passage, and I've heard people just take this thing all crazy and do all kind of weird stuff to it. What's the point of this passage? For the sake of time, let me tell you the point. The point is not that there are 99 righteous people that need to repent. His point is that everybody needs to repent. And so his point here is that there will be more rejoicing over one person who actually understands his need versus 99 righteous people who don't get it. The 99 righteous people right there are unbelievers who will not enter into the kingdom of God because they are arrogant. To be a Christian, by definition, you have to realize that you have absolutely nothing to offer God. You are messed up and you need Jesus. And then Jesus feels needy people. That's Christianity. So what God is saying here is, look at this, don't be the 99. Now, context, he's talking to Pharisees. That's why he does this. The context is Pharisees. So he's, he's winking at them because they hear this and they're going, he's talking about me. You know, hold me back, man. You know, that's what, that's the context. I don't think that was guy, you know, thugging, but you know. So his point is that, guys, we need the Savior. Contrary to popular opinion, I'm going to continue to go on. Look what he says here. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us. Christ, he says, you know, you can't inherit this stuff by just your own works. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For what is written, curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. That is the beauty of the gospel redemption. See, the way the world tells you, you get into something and you get out of something. And here's the way you do it, right? You need to, you know, a lot of times it's like with all these self-help programs, that's why I get frustrated with self-help churches because what it does, it takes the whole redemptive juice out of it. Because God is saying, no, you can't help yourself. I'm tell- the, the Lord is saying that the same way you got into this, the same way I got into this, is not the same way you get out of this. It's not a little Jesus now build your finances and help your family be nicer and all this other stuff. 
But it is a gospel and then believe in a gospel and you love your wife because of the gospel and you care for your kids through a gospel centered life and you live your life gospel centered and you serve through the gospel and you eat your food through the gospel and you do everything that you do because you're believing the gospel. Everything. That you absolutely cannot. And that's why when we counsel people like if you don't want to, if you don't love Jesus, then why do you want me to counsel you? I'm going, to tell, I'm going to come to you from a gospel-centered perspective. If you don't love Jesus, that is just weird. I'm, I don't, we, don't, we have different worldviews. I am looking through a Jesus lens. You have to love God or we're going to be talking about two different things. Redemption. Unlike the, you know, you go to some weird places to tell you redemption. You've heard this stuff. He's like... Satan holding us and then God coming with $15 or something weird, buying us back from Satan. That's unbiblical. You go to a church that says that, that's unbiblical. God does not buy us back from Satan. That is ridiculous. Stupid. God does not owe Satan a dime. Let me tell you what redemption is biblically. It's God saying, that's my child. Give him or her to me now. That's redemption. He didn't go, oh, well, let me see what I got in my pocket. You know, I'm going to buy the kids because I love them so much. That's ridiculous. Man-centered family is about God being powerful and glorious and taking over whenever he wants to and saying, these are my kids. They will be with me. They will be with me now. And you will be eternally in heaven, I mean, in the the fire pits of hell. And I'm going to take hell and destroy it as well. That is redemption, that God takes us and makes us his kids because he wants to. I'm sorry I start yelling there, but we need to get this sense that God is not bartering systems. He's not sort of making deals. He's taking over. And it's all for his glory. We get, you know what I love about all this? The story of God? You get no credit. Because you're needy. I get no credit. Because I'm needy. But we all can sit in awe that Jesus loved me enough to allow me to be a part of that story with him. And then let me reign with him as a co-heir. And I've done absolutely nothing for it. All I did was trust Jesus. And live a life and say, Lord, I just love you. I trust you. I trust you. Every day I trust you. I didn't read my Bible. That's okay. I trust you. I'm having a hard time spiritually. That's okay. I trust you. Oh, I fell into sexual sin. Hey, get yourself up. I trust you. You know, guys, don't break free from those shackles. I love it. Substitution. Substitution. <clears throat> Think about it. You're, you and I, we will not be forsaken. Jesus was forsaken. Why? Because he was forsaken for us. We won't taste death because Jesus tasted it for us. Do you get that? You will not pay the penalty for your sin because Jesus did it. You will not experience the crushing blows of all what evil can bring in Satan because Jesus defeated it. Jesus did it all. And the response to that is repentance. Repentance, repentance is the essence of understanding our need. Because what repentance is, is almost the antithesis of, of arrogance. Because repentance says, I have nothing to offer. 
Lord, I confess to you and I repent. I was going to change. I, I, I turn toward you because I have nowhere else to turn. The gospel is good news only when we realize our need. Fam, repentance. Clear next up. What we've been saying every week is what, what is Galatians telling us? It's trying to teach us through the gospel to be free and free others under holiness. Be free. I'm going to close this. Um, we're going to have tithe, a tithe and offering. Uh, we're actually uh, going to do a quick, uh, can we do a quick instrumental? Or uh, we're not going to, uh, this not, are we doing a, a song? Our homies, who's our crew? Okay. Um, for the sake of time, if you guys can, can shorten the song.